What next for the graduate job market? 83 graduates apply for every job. 3% increase in graduate vacancies. Is it all doom and gloom or are there reasons to be cheerful? Hello, welcome to Careers Talk. I'm Kerry Eustace. In this week's podcast, we ask what next for the graduate job market? Following the release of two major surveys, we look at the stats, conditions and predictions affecting this year's cohort of graduate job seekers. Plus some top tips from our Q&A on surviving the graduate job market and a finance sector special for the jobs top 10. But first, as always, we've got a roundup of this week's careers news. Guardian Careers Q&A guru Ali White and Eliza Anyangwe, who's community coordinator for the Guardian's Higher Education Network, join me now to talk about the headlines. Hello. Hiya. Um, Ali, tell us about your story first. Okay, this is the news that having a boring job can leave you feeling just as vulnerable to burnout than one that leaves you rushed off your feet, say psychiatrists. They believe there is a distinct category of under-challenged employees who end up finding they simply cannot take any more of the monotonous and unstimulating tasks that they expected to perform. Uh, it was a study from the University of Zaragoza in Spain, which featured in the journal of um, BMC Psychiatry, which found that employers present a cynical attitude and are invaded by guilty feelings due to their ambivalence they feel for their work and the desire to change. Um, and it's people working in administrative and service roles who are most likely to be bored in their jobs. And, oh, actually, men apparently are more likely to suffer this type of burnout than women. But I just found it interesting because we did a live Q&A the other day about filler jobs, um, you know, versus waiting for your big break as a graduate. And a lot of the comments there were saying it is better to do any job than no job in that situation. But um, it's always good to sort of keep your hand in something that you're interested in. So, you know, it might not be ideal to be working in a sort of job that bores you to death, but it's always good to do some voluntary work or some sort of work experience on the side to sort of keep you motivated and perhaps avoid that kind of situation. Yeah, I had no idea that being unstimulated could have the same reaction <laughs> of being sort of overstimulated. Yeah. So that's really, really interesting. interesting. Okay, um, my story is from Education Guardian and the headline is that there's going to be naming and shaming for degrees with poor jobs records. So university courses that don't have a great track record of um, gaining employment for their graduates are going to be name and shamed under government proposals to give students a clearer choice when they try and pick their degrees in the light of uh, the new costs of tuition fees. And this all came out last week on Tuesday the 28th when the HE White Paper was announced and ministers are calling for the publications of very detailed information about the employment and earning outcomes of specific degrees. The university's minister, David Willits, believes that too many courses are are not valued by employers Um, and he feels that scrapping or overhauling dead-end courses would limit the losses to the taxpayer from students who fail to repay their loans because you're going to have to earn a certain amount before you pay but it's going to be higher than what it is now it's going to go up to I think 25 or 27,000. I think this is good news for prospective students but the reforms raise some interesting points and the HE community at the moment is talking about that university isn't just about going on to get a job. 
it's it's an all-round experience about development learning and transformation and a lot of the criticism to the white paper has been you know he isn't about sort of sending out corporate clones into the job market and also about all this there seems to be little onus or attention on how the efforts of an individual result in where you get in your career it's it's all about what your degree is doing or what it's preparing you for and actually it's your own actions your own performance and your experiences and how you interpret them to an employer they're going to have an impact not just the the course title that you went for so perhaps if you're already a graduate and you're worried now about you know your course is going to be named and shamed I think there are ways you can present that so I wouldn't you know stress too badly about your your entire education being disregarded because of the new white paper and also um, with this increased focus on employability universities are also going to be extending services for their alumni so I know for the University of East London for example is now going to have a five-year post-graduation offering for students so that you'll be able to access their career service for five years and they're also going to have like an incubation zone for anybody who wants to start an enterprise so it might be worth getting in touch with your uni if you're not already to find out what services they've got for you. Um, Eliza what's your story Helen? Well, um, my story is, um, it's lighthearted, or at least the people at Dairy Crest thought so. <laughs> and, um, and Dairy Crest, for anyone who doesn't know, are the manufacturers of um, cathedral cheese and um, cathedral cheddar, clover spread, country life butter. It seems they've left a bad taste in some graduates' mouths <laughs> um, because they have come up with a marketing idea called Warren, the 24-year-old work experience boy. And Warren is being um, shepherded off to whoever wins him to do whatever jobs they want him to do. He is going to be their slave for the day. Um, in the light of... Um, the internship scandal, all that Nick Clegg has said about unpaid internships and the fact that so many graduates are struggling to find jobs. It seems a bit silly that Dairy Crest didn't realise that graduates would have not taken this so well. There's a graduate called Abigail Aked, who's 23 years old. She says that for such a huge brand such as them, generic work experience boy to front their competition is unthinkable. I guess they didn't want to seem to miss out on the free youth labour gravy train that businesses now uh, believe they're entitled to. And it seems they do. The the, the statistics back her up. Um, 17% of employers in the UK see unpaid interns as being able to help them lower their business costs. So for any graduates who are offended by this campaign, we empathise with you. You should um, write in to tell us what you think about it. We are actually going to host a live Q&A discussing what should, should and could be done to improve the situation for interns. Um, so do join us for that. It is um, worthwhile for you to know before you go and picket in front of Dairy Crest's office that Warren is actually a paid actor. The company say that um, he's employed by them to promote their brand and he is not actually on a work placement with them. I just wanted to say one of the things that really made me laugh on this story at the end, it says Warren was unavailable to comment. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was too busy being Mop. someone's slave. <laughs> Thanks very much. Now, before we dive into some debate about the health of the graduate job market, Ali has picked out some highlights from our recent survival guide for graduates Q&A. Um, we're also joined by graduate and Guardian Careers blogger Rosie Percy. Hello, Rosie. Hello. It's great to have you in the studio. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Um, tell us a bit about, um, I mean, you're blogging for us about the kind of plight of a job-seeking mm -hmm. graduate, but tell us a bit about what you want to do with your career and what you're sort of up to at the moment. 
At the moment, from when I've graduated, I had to go into a temping job because unfortunately I was one of those graduates who spent the whole overdraft. So it was just taking on a temporary role to earn it all back really and pay everything off and to hopefully gain a bit of financial stability. Unfortunately, I no longer have that position, so I am continuing in my job search for something that I've trained to do throughout university. I spent three years studying media professional studies with television, but during that time I actually began to sort of go more into journalism and writing and hone my own style from there. So hopefully at the moment I'm just continuing with the blog and continuing with my scrupulous job search. Okay, well, good luck with that. We're going to share some tips now. Maybe there's something good for you in here. (laughs) Ali, what did you pick out from the discussion that was really juicy? Well, the first one I liked was a tip to basically not be afraid to start from the bottom. And the expert pointed out that an excellent way to search for work is to find an organisation, company or institution that you want to work for and then look for roles within that, even if it means starting at the bottom. So apparently if you, you, know, you can show off that you've got a good work ethic, a good attitude and show passion for what you do, why would they hire anyone else if you're doing that? She pointed out as only 40% of jobs are advertised anyway. It's another way of sniffing out the 60% that aren't. So I like that. Um, so we talked a lot about internships, but you know, a lot of people pointing out we can't afford to do it, can't work, afford to work for free. So she said that another way of doing it is getting a full or part-time job and trying to negotiate with your employer trying to find some sort of an afternoon or a day a week that you can go and do some work shadowing or work experience and kind of keep your foot in that way in something that you're interested in and the co-op apparently have recently done this with someone looking for a career change and they came into the HR department and worked for free one day for a month one day a week for a month and when a job came up a month later they applied and were successful so it's obviously works sometimes and the last thing I thought that was interesting was, um, as one of our points out, that graduates are quite good at answering competency-based questions. However, questions about commercial awareness and motivation seem to be where people come unstuck. So this sort of question is, why do you want this role and why us? Who are our competitors in the market? Where do you see yourself in this organisation and yourself in five years are now apparently tricky questions. And they just call for research about yourself, even thinking about your own motivations, the company, careers and the actual industry sectors themselves. And another question I liked, apparently an employer mentioned that he asked, who have you met from our organisation? Why did they impress you? And if you tell me why, I'll be impressed myself. And I thought, that's interesting. Twisty. twisty. (laughs) And the the commercial awareness points really... Mm keeps cropping up quite a lot in a lot of the content that we're doing a lot of conversations that we're having um Rosie did you pick out anything from the discussion that was useful for you or kind of related to what you've been up to well I saw a comment from somebody actually posing a question saying they're trying to break into the media they'd like to work on a photo desk of ideally a big publication they were advised that even though it is a really tough market and obviously with everything in the media about all the doom and gloom that graduates have to face you have to keep trying and there's ways you can sort of aim for specific companies like Ali said and you can also really go that extra step in your application really research the company and go that little bit further to chase them up rather than just sending a letter and waiting for a reply give them a call up phone call because an email is easy to delete but once you've got someone on the phone it's really hard to ignore so it's just keep encouraging keep trying just keep going for it until you've got what you want really Right, thanks both. Now, in recent months, two of the year's biggest pieces of research into the graduate job market have been released. 
the Association of Graduate Recruiters Biannual Summer Survey and the High Flyers Graduate Survey 2011. You probably saw some of the headlines. 83 grads going for each job, for example, was pretty tough to ignore. But there's more to the findings than that. Despite this intense competition, confidence among grads is apparently rising. Yes, it was a surprise to us too. And according to employers, the quality of graduate job applications has also improved. To discuss both sets of research, we're joined now by Jonathan Black, who's Director of the Career Service at the University of Oxford, and Rosie Percy is staying with us. Jonathan, can you give us kind of your reactions to the findings and sort of how you feel the, the market's kind of progressing? Well, AGR every year has brought out um, bigger and bigger numbers about the number of people applying. Uh, Now we're at 83. I think last year I was sitting here talking about it was 69 Mm. and Rosie just told us it was 40-something the year before. I mean, what we don't know is who's in that 83. I mean, 40 of them could be a waste of time. So we we never know who those 83 are who are applying. Um, And anyone here who's actually recruited other people knows that out of those 83 there'll only be about five or ten who probably are perfectly suited for the job so it's a bit of a vague number. What's more interesting to me is the number of graduate vacancies going up and the I'm particularly pleased that the quality of applications is going up. It does mean the graduates are, are paying more attention, thinking harder, researching it and as we tell students you know we'd rather you applied to 10 and really thought about it than 35 because oh well you know applications are open I thought I'd just send them a letter which is probably one of those 83 that goes straight on the bin. Yeah I sh- um, just to give a bit more detail about the 83 you're absolutely right it is people applying to more companies and also students are applying earlier in their courses so not sort of just like final year and graduates first and second year students are applying so that's bumped the numbers up. We too. definitely see that and we see that uh, even in freshers week the, the freshers are turning up wow, saying, really? please, where's my internship? And we have to say, <laughs> go away. We don't actually want... You've only just arrived at university. At least go and enjoy the first term. That's interesting. I mean, Rosie, how do you feel about that? Did you think about this in your first year? To be honest, I don't really remember much of my first term. That's for, good. Uh, more than a couple of reasons. But uh, I, I do think you do need to settle in because if you're in a new place, you're meeting a lot of new people. And it's not just networking for jobs. It's networking to get yourself comfortable. I do find the first year I've I've never met anybody that's really even thought about the results let alone where they're going to be going from then so I I do think I definitely agree yes it should be definitely just settling into university at the beginning and what do you make of the um the 83 average applications is that quite an intimidating figure for someone like you who's in the job market now and looking for something I would say it's quite intimidating when you hear the number because you can physically imagine 83 people (laughs) marching up and sort of battling against yourself and you wonder, what do I have above 82 others? It's not really surprising that the number's going up because university is such an accessible option to so many people these days. It is almost a formality of your education. You go on to university, you graduate and you go from there. So the amount of graduates applying for jobs... Yes, it's risen, but it is intimidating, but it's not necessarily surprising. You mentioned, Jonathan, the 3% increase in vacancies. Um, How significant is that, 3%? Can you kind of explain what that really means for Um, people looking for a job? Well, that's very significant. I think we're seeing the increase from several places. One is we're seeing people like Lidl, for example, who are recruiting at Oxford who we've never seen before, or local primary schools who've never recruited before and thinking, oh, let's get a new graduate and train them up into teaching when they're here. So I think we're seeing more people looking. The three, I mean, all these numbers are such an average. The 83, to back to that one, 
There'll be yeah. 250 applications for every um, well, yeah. investment bank, and mm. there'll be three for the local charity. And mm -hmm. I think people have to be careful and think, um, you know, what should I, wh where's my best bet going to be? Was the 3% um, an encouraging stat for you, Rosie? Well, when I think about it, I do think there must be more jobs available, but are they jobs that are, I'm trained for? So when I think 3%, I do think what percent of that could would be accessible to myself. But then I do think for there are so many other graduates that I see, it's not just you know in the news when you turn around, it's on your Facebook page, it's everywhere, everybody's saying they need a job. So I think any increase in a job market is going to be encouraging to so many people, definitely. Mm. Um, another thing that you also mentioned mm. in your um, sort of first answer, Jonathan, was about the quality of applications going on. I mean, what do you think sort of driving that? Do you think it's sort of employability rising the agenda or the headlines about 83 people going for each job? Clearly the career service is yeah. <laughs> um, Your hard work paying off. Uh, well, I mean, joking aside, we are seeing twice the number of students we saw before. So we're we're engaging... About 85% of undergraduate finalists are engaging in some way with a career service. So they are thinking, I've never written a letter before. You know, all those, the last time I wrote a letter was to say thank you for a Christmas present, and now it's a serious letter. <laughs> uh, um, we're getting to meet lots more people, uh, and that's, that's happening across the piece, I think. So that is that is improving it. Um, I tell you what really surprised me about the research, and you might have different reactions, both of you, but it was that confidence was up. I mean, Jonathan, what's your reaction to that? We talk about, for example, six months after leaving, about 6%, or I think on national average is about 9%, isn't it, uh, are unemployed. But for the individual, it's 100% or it's zero. So that's what, and, and it's a very depressing thing to happen. It's happened to probably everyone in this room at some point. You've been unemployed or wondering what to do next. or So it, it's not... 94% ever, is it? It's either 100% or zero. It's part of your work. Do you do anything to sort of help people with confidence issues? Is that a big part of job seeking, do you I think, think a lot of meeting careers advisors is about, about confidence, actually. It's about looking at people's CVs and saying, this is great, there's some good stuff here. I bet you've forgotten some stuff that should be on here. What employers look for is, do you take responsibility and do you achieve things? And it doesn't matter where you've done that. Is it a student society? Is it a social club, church, music, football field? or in college even, or in your sixth form, of course. You can go back a few years. But that's what, that's what employers are looking for. And a lot of it is, is teasing that out of people and getting them to express it in that way. And then they go out thinking, oh, yeah. Um, most, if not all, university career services do support people for at least four years after they leave. So do try that. And most of them, if you're desperate and it's five years, they'll still talk to you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, and some of us do it for life. Rosie, can you give us a little insight into how confident you felt before you graduated and how you're feeling now about your job prospects? When I was at university, I was in my third year doing my dissertation. I was heading towards the end of my studies and thinking, I've actually really enjoyed this third year a lot more than I thought. Surely now I can go forth and prosper. But then, unfortunately, now I'd love to say that I'm feeling confident. There's nothing more I'd love. The only thing I'm really confident in is the fact that I know I'm going to keep trying. At the moment, I've, for example, the reason why I started guest blogging is because you picked up that I'd had over 200 job rejections. So it's obviously, after you've, had, after you've been rejected that much, it's hard to sort of stay confident and be sort of do have to dust yourself off. After like a, an hour crying in bed, I always have to get up and say, <laughs> no, not really. I have to get up and say, right, I've, I've worked so hard for this, I can't throw in the towel now, I have to keep going and sort of be confident in myself because if I lose that confidence in myself an employer might not have confidence in, my, in what I can do. I think that's such a crucial thing and I've spoken to a lot of career advisors about this is that if you are feeling kind of downheartened or 
you haven't got that faith in yourself, it does come through on your CV. Okay, sort of finally, what do we think sort of might be coming next? We got any predictions or thoughts or even any tips for grads that might be sort of thinking about the job market, whether they're kind of got a lot of faith in it or they're feeling a bit daunted by what we've talked about today? Uh, well, I, I suspect it's still going to be about a few percent increase. I mean, I can't think the economy is going to be bouncing up anytime soon. There'll be a spread. I think we're going to see a downturn in retail, as we're seeing already, but I think there'll be upturns in, in other parts of it. I think if you're getting 200 rejections, you might want to think about some other focuses. <laughs> um, uh, so, it's look, yes, it's looking more broadly, and, and that old classic I always go on about, which is networking and, and trying to, you know, turn volunteering and networking experiences into something even if it's put, uh, putting a portfolio of stuff together eventually you know this can pay off. Rosie what about you I mean what would you say to graduates who are kind of looking at the job market how much has it impacted on what you've been doing would you recommend that they pay attention to it? Oh definitely I'd say for any graduates now applying for a job or looking to I'd say definitely really think before you just send things out now because you might not have many other chances like it. I know obviously when you see it in the media every single day there's a thousand graduates per two jobs, there's doom and gloom in every graduate's home. It's not always like that. Graduates sort of have to look above that and say the media might be saying that but you never know it could be different for me. I could be the change in the market so it would be a shame for them to work for three years and then not go anywhere from there. So I'd just say just really keep trying, just try and keep the faith even when it's really bad. Thanks very much. Thanks both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Rosie Percy and Jonathan Black. Next, we've got the Jobs Top 10, which is a collection of finance roles, which were very popular among grads in the AGR survey. Eliza and Ali are here to reveal the chart. Kicking us off at 10, it's a financial controller from Ethical Investment Research Services. And at 9, AlphaSites is searching for a graduate business analyst. While at 8, it's a financial market researcher via STEP. We've got an information services analyst for the Chartered Institute of Public Finance and Accountancy at 7. The DeVere Group wants an international financial advisor at 6. And at 5, Anson Young is looking for a corporate communications associate director. Counterfraud Skills wants a senior credit risk modeler at four. Coming in at three, it's a commodities financial sales broker from Vanquish Recruitment. One from the top at two, Venor Resourcing is looking to fill junior headhunter vacancies. And this week's number one is an interim finance manager from Accounting for International Development. And finally, here's what we've got coming up on the careers site next week. Okay, on Monday the 4th of July, we've got Getting Into Publishing... Tuesday, 5th of July is a careers advice clinic. And Thursday, 7th of July is our What Should Be Done About Internships debate. That brings us to the end of the pod. Thanks to our guest, Jonathan Black, our resident graduate, Rosie Percy, Eliza Anyangwe and Ali White. Careers Talk was produced by James Crawford. I'm Kerry Eustace. Goodbye. Goodbye.